0: Hey, good morning. It's Jeannie Yandel. It's Friday. This is Seattle Now. It's been a big year for our city. We became the center for a fentanyl epidemic, and local leaders tangled over how we should respond to it. But the city's art scene also brought us some joy and delight. In a moment, Bill Radke will talk through some of the biggest stories of the year with KUOW journalists. But first, let's get you caught up. Three Tacoma police officers are cleared of all charges in the death of Manny Ellis. The jury delivered three non-guilty verdicts in a Pierce County courtroom Thursday afternoon, following a 10-week long trial. Ellis died in police custody in March of 2020 after being tased and hogtied. He told officers he couldn't breathe. Two of the officers were charged with second-degree murder and all faced manslaughter charges. They remain employed by the Tacoma Police Department. Up in King County, five Black police officers won a lawsuit against the University of Washington Police Department. The officers said they experienced racial harassment at work, including persistent racial slurs and stereotypes and physical intimidation. Four have since left the department. A King County jury awarded them $16 million in damages. And, true to Seattle, we are in for a wet Christmas this year. It'll be rainy on the 25th and for the rest of next week. But Saturday is going to be nice and sunny, if a bit chilly. Enjoy the rays while they last. And a reminder that we are going to see more daylight from here on out. 2023 brought a mess of issues to Seattle, focused around the fentanyl crisis, It showed up all over our political world, from the state legislature in Olympia to Seattle's City Council election. That was one of the main takeaways from the year in review, an annual tradition at KUOW. Host Bill Radke and a panel of guests took the stage at the Cornish Playhouse last week to discuss the top stories of the year. We're sharing two highlights from their conversation, Seattle's year in politics and in art. You'll hear from KUOW arts reporter Mike Davis, business reporter Monica Nicholsberg, and politics editor Kat Smith. Here's Bill.
1: We're going to focus on the politics part of your job, Kat Smith. This year, Washington voters had their say, and they rose up in mighty numbers. Mighty low numbers. (laughs)
2: 37% voter turnout. I think it was the lowest in state history. If that, Washington, if that was a test, we failed. We really failed.
1: So what did those very few voters say with their failure of a mighty thunderous (laughs) voice?
2: (laughs) Well, the few who turned out. Uh, Here in Seattle, they they certainly did not say defund the police. Um, We -hmm. uh, we just elected uh, a bunch of moderate candidates to the city council this year. Many of them ran on public safety, hiring more cops, um, so you know, the majority of the city council is now more centrist than it's been in years. It's almost all new people too, and most of them are very tightly aligned with Mayor Bruce Harrell. He also wants to put more cops on the streets. He wants to crack down on on things like visible homelessness, on public drug use. So this is these are things that the city administration is now very aligned on, um, and it's a shift. This looks like to me, it looks like a direct response response to the uh, super progressive city council that was elected during the last big election. Um, and I think it's also a response to you know ultra progressives who used to be on the council, like Shama Sawan, who's stepping down this month. So it looks like, to me, it looks like the city is taking a big swing toward the center.
1: Can you call it a big a big swing or a big uh, or a referendum when voter turnout is so low? I know. Can we, can we <laughs> say mean, anything about what the voters want?
2: Well, and it's also, it's Seattle, so we're talking about shades of blue here. So, center in Seattle is still pretty progressive. <laughs> so, we're not talking about, like, we don't have a bunch of MAGA candidates on the city council, certainly. I think in, in most other states in the country, I think people would hear us say, this is a centrist council, and they would look at us like, we're, we're nuts. <laughs> so, it's, you know, it's all relative.
1: Well, let's talk about the, uh, you mentioned drugs. That was a concrete development in 2023. Mm-hmm. We moved from this state felony law and that's mm-hmm. gone and what's going to happen in seattle and it really helped shake the council up will you just tell folks who don't know what happened with the approach to legal approach to drugs in this town
2: yeah so the state government passed a new drug law like you said they tossed out the fel- the state tossed out its felony drug law a couple years ago and this year they made drug possession, a gross misdemeanor. Now in Seattle, we had to amend our municipal code because we had never prosecuted drug cases at that low level like that before. So basically what, what the law does is it um, if somebody is smoking fentanyl, like on a street corner or at a bus stop, the Seattle police can arrest those people And they could go to jail, and they could be prosecuted for a gross misdemeanor. So to me, I mean, this is part of this crackdown on on visible problems. Some of the most, you know, when you're walking around the street, it's very easy to spot, you know, a homeless encampment or somebody who's doing drugs in public. These are very, like, low-hanging fruit things to tackle. Huge priority for the city in 2024. One of the things that I'm curious about is that if if the city is super focused on these very highly visible, low-hanging fruit problems... Are we really tackling the harder-to-spot things, the behind-the-scenes things, the really in-the-weeds stuff? And I think to look at that, I think we need to look at how the drug law has functioned so far. It's been um, it, you know, very controversial. It took a while to get passed at the city council, and it had a big impact on the elections. Um, but it's been in place for uh, two months now. About 50 people have been arrested so far. Only about a dozen of them have gone to jail. Those were people who had uh, outstanding warrants and stuff like that. The rest of them, about 33 of them, were referred to uh, drug treatment and services. You know, are supposed to be hooked up with a social worker and they help you set you know, life goals, it's like you know, finding stable housing or finding work, you know, things to change your life, whatever. If drug treatment is the right thing for you, maybe that's what, that's what you do. But these are really difficult difficult things to solve. It takes a long time for someone to go through that system. It could Take about a year for someone to stabilize. So, you know, the problem that I'm anticipating is that that system was already overstretched before this drug law. It does not have the capacity to take in all of these new people. It didn't in the past, it doesn't now, and it's not going to in 2024. So my big concern is like, you can't really see that. You know, if if the city council and the mayor, their big priority is just pushing drug users off the street where you can't see them, we don't really know how that progress is gonna go.
3: You mentioned that a lot of the candidates ran on this idea of adding more cops. And mm-hmm. It's you know it's something that we're hearing a lot in the community that something has to be done. We need more police. It seems like there's a lot more agreement on that than there used to be among elected officials. Do you like have a sense for when a city has done that when it's really beefed up its police department? Has it reduced crime? Or you know I know that the homicide rate is is at an all time high. I think in Seattle is that something that there's data that shows that adding more police could bring down? It's squishy. Um, so our, our
2: homicide rate is, is not uh, like at a historical high. Our number of homicides oh. are, it's, it's, you know, it's complicated. Number of statistics is statistics. <laughs> They're all kind of fungible. Um, homicides are super high. The goal for the city is they want to hire hundreds more cops. I think the problem is that we've been losing cops as a city faster than we can hire them. So the mayor and this new council, they want to hire a certain set number of cops. Do they have a goal to reduce crime? <laughs> no. no? There's, not like, there's not like a number, you know. I think it's, it's hard to know if more cops on the streets is going to bring a number like homicides down. That's Homicides are extremely complex. And in Seattle, I did a story on the homicide number hitting this, this record high a couple of weeks ago. And what I learned was that like, like 80% of them so far have been gun deaths, majority gun homicides. And uh, tackling gun violence is really, really complicated. It's multifaceted. It has to do you know, in America there's more guns than people. So it's kind of bigger than Seattle. Are more Seattle cops on the streets gonna take care of that problem? Probably not, but it might make people feel safer. Everyone should feel safe in their own city. So it's, it's very, very complicated.
4: As these races were playing out, there were some races where, you know, as you mentioned, Seattle's like different shades of blue. Um, when I think of like uh, Joy and Alex, for example, like it seemed like public safety was the only place where they disagreed. Everything else felt like it was in alignment.
2: They ran in District Three,
4: right? Um, talking about a, two city council candidates. Yeah. Yes, yes. Joy
1: Hollingsworth and. Uh
2: Alex Hudson? Yes, Alex, Alex Hudson. Hudson. yeah. Yes. And District 3 is the, the, central, the central area. Yes,
4: absolutely. It was uh, Shama Swan's old district. But my question is, I mean, whether or not more police will work, I guess we'll see. And, and you spoke to that. But my question is, how? Because hiring police seems like a a problem for major metropolitan areas throughout our country, not just Seattle, and Seattle already has all of these incentives, like hiring more cops is something that we've been trying to do for a long time. So how are we even gonna do that? And if we can't, what is the answer gonna be to, to make our streets safer?
2: if we can figure that out i think we will be all of us the next mayor of seattle <laughs> i don't know i would love it's to do that it's a rare four
4: person
1: mayoral <laughs> occupancy but it's it's been we done we will share the office yes, yes, you don't vote for us right it.
2: <laughs> you know public safety was like one of the top issues if not the top issue in the city council elections and i think you know not not that many people voted relatively speaking but it looks like people want more cops they want what the mayor is selling they want what these candidates are selling
4: well that's the reason why i ask i think it's it's loud and clear that communities throughout seattle want more safety mm-hmm. um it's not even like it, it used to feel like it was like the south end no it's not it's also the cd we have kids getting robbed after school in right. the north end this is a city wide issue but from my perspective, and I, I'm the arts guy, but listening to the, the city council races, it seemed like the only answers being put before us was hire more cops. So if that's the only solution that these folks who just got voted in have, and we know that they, we haven't been able to do that before, are we just doomed? Or are we here at the end of the year to tell everyone <laughs> that we are doomed, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen? Like, there has to be...
2: Well, I mean, there will always be another election, right? It, and it's, it's Washington State. We have another election every like four months, <laughs> but, but I mean, there, there will be another city council election, and we can we can hold these folks accountable. We said that y'all wanted to hire these cops because there were real safety, public safety concerns, and I think it's it's going to be our job to follow through on that. To really watch the stats, watch how many cops they hire, and see like what actually gets done. Were these just glitzy promises made on the campaign trail? Is there really going to be an impact? I think it's it's going to be our job to.
4: Well, that, it, it'll, be, it'll be 37% of our jobs but oh. hopefully, <laughs>
2: hopefully hopefully
4: more 37% hopefully 37% of us that w- w- we're paying attention. <laughs> I
1: chose our theme for this year coming together or not. My original one was 2023 we're doomed. But I um, <laughs> yeah. I could have gone with that. Let's just end, I want to end this topic or this segment with politics at a higher level. A campaign for governor began this year. Can we assume it'll be another democrat?
2: <laughs> well, you know, Washington state. I don't think we've had a Republican uh, as a governor since 1985. So usually it's a safe bet. It'll be a Democrat, but this year might be different. Next year might be different. There is a Republican running who has got some heat. You might recognize his name. His name is Dave Reichert. He was a Congressman Mm -hmm. in Washington. (laughs) Some of you know him. (laughs) Uh, he stepped down before the pandemic after like seven terms in DC and I was curious, you know, Bob Ferguson our current Attorney General is running He's a Democratic front-runner and I wanted to know we're a year out. It's this it's a long time, you know How is Rikert doing? How does he stack up against Ferguson? So I looked at a poll from the Northwest Progressive Institute and I was very surprised to learn that Rikert is polling better than Ferguson right now mm-hmm. We've got a year.
1: We've got a year <laughs> You're listening to KOW's Year in Review. We've got KOW's Cat Smith, Mike Davis, and Monica Nichols <laughs> Our theme was, was going to be we're doomed, but I went with coming together. Uh, one way we do that is we come together through the arts and culture. Mike Davis, we were talking we've been talking about people going back to the office. What about the arts, the theater, etc. Are we are we coming back together again?
4: I mean, looking out here, it looks like people are coming together again, Bill. No. I would say that in art, we're seeing two things right now at the same time. Big art is, is great, right? Like there were enough Swifties at Lumen Field to register an earthquake, yep. like, right? So people are coming back. I think that smaller art, right? The, the local institutions, folks like Wing Luke, who we need to be in our communities, Thank you, thank you, thank you. No, but, but really, like, those are, those are the organizations that have not made it back to pre-pandemic numbers. But the good news is 2023 was better than 2022.
1: And what is... What's exciting you about, about that, about covering that, uh, the way we're coming together and telling stories and entertaining? What should we know about 2023?
4: I think that we should know that... Art is here, and people are telling stories again. I feel like in a lot of ways, I cover the same things that they cover. I just cover these things through a lens of culture. So, you know, if you went to the ACT Theater and you saw Cambodian Rock Band this year, um, right? Like, that 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 was a story about Cambodian genocide. So we talked about genocide. Um, there was a, a play about transracial and international adoption that happened this year that taught me that you can adopt a baby in our country through Facebook Messenger. Who knew, right? Like, that's a real thing that happens. And, you know, we talked about that through art. I've covered abortion through art. I've covered violence. Like, all the same things. And and it's great that we have this thriving art scene so that all of these conversations can be had.
1: What do you think is keeping... Uh, the arts from rebounding or thriving as much as it could locally?
4: That's a a great question. I think the economy plays a role. Um, Just for a quick example, I have a family of four. We're going to go see Wonka at CIF Cinerama that's what I call it, uh, <laughs> at the SIF Cinerama. But but Bill, uh, those those four tickets, that was 70 bucks. <laughs> that yeah. was 70 bucks, and that's before the chocolate popcorn, right? So <laughs> if it costs uh, $100 to see... Well, you are someone who's not used to having to pay for your ticket. That's <laughs> probably why I'm complaining. That's why I'm complaining. <laughs> but no, but I think that, that that does play a role. I think the good news is that people are still showing up, and people are still supporting the arts. I go, I'm in theaters, I'm in um, museums, I'm in all of these types of spaces, and there are people there, so there's hope. Also, Finally, we're seeing like new levels of government support, which is crazy, which is great. Um, So when I mentioned SIF downtown, for example, uh, the Seattle City Council and the King County Council both put up about a million dollars to make that happen. The, The Doors Open Levy in King County, which was passed unanimously, that's gonna put almost $800 million into the arts over the next seven years. That's amazing, right? Like, so the arts will will be here.
3: What does that mean for an ordinary person? Like, if, you know, when my kids are in school, does that mean they're going to have access to more classes or or stuff won't be shut down like we've been seeing? You know, we've been seeing, like, jazz band go away at certain schools and a lot of, uh, it seems like, struggle to keep the arts alive.
4: Excellent question. So, first of all, that levy is for arts science and cultural heritage. So that means we will have zoos, we will have aquariums, the Pacific Science Center, all of those institutions are included, but also it goes to organizations that actually provide those arts instructors. So that jazz program doesn't have to die because we could pay for that jazz instructor. And it goes towards before school, after school and during school programs. So the arts will have a way to come back into schools.
1: Mike, what is it that you... Maybe it's just an amazing work of art in 2023 or something that you know about is rumbling down the tracks. What do you want to share with us?
4: Uh, Would you rather have a look back or something you could see tomorrow? Uh, I could do either. Tomorrow, just the crowd. (laughs) Tomorrow... Uh, I'm going to be honest, I'm a, I would go with, a, with a, a classic, like, what is what is Christmas without a little ba humbug? Mm-hmm. I love Scrooge. Mm-hmm. Uh the <laughs> Yes, yeah. a, a Christmas carol at the Act Theater. It's just, you know, it's just a slice of tradition. I went, I loved it, and I would suggest it for others.
1: And it's in the round, so it's the ballet the of that is part of the fun. Yes,
4: yes, things are dropping down from the sky. They're walking through the aisles and talking to people. It's a great experience.
1: Uh, Mike Davis... I keep having you up here with me because um, it's just fun to do, and I love what you do, and I love how you help me understand it. And when you and Kim tell me what's going on, I've got my pen and pencil, or I've got my notes app out because I want to know what's happening. Thanks for everything you do all year long. Thanks for
4: for having me, Bill.
1: I'm Bill Radke. I want to thank our producer, Kevin Kniestet, our events producer, Daphne Liu, for putting tonight's show together, our KUOW Live Events team. A big thank you to Seattle Center's Cornish Playhouse for hosting us here tonight and our KUOW Live Events sponsor. Way to go, Finney Ridge Painting. I'm Bill Radke. Let's stay together and I'll see you again in 2024.
0: Thanks for listening to Seattle Now. Today's episode was adapted from KUOW's Year in Review live event. It was produced for Seattle Now by Claire McGrain. Our production team also includes Caroline Chamberlain Gomez, Jenny Cecil Moore and Vaughn Jones. Matt Jorgensen does our theme music. Seattle Now and KUOW Public Radio are members of the NPR Network. It's an independent coalition of public media podcasters. You can find more shows in the network wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jeannie Yandel. Patricia Murphy will be back after the holiday weekend.